Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. What is up? Welcome back into a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of Mile High Sports. You can find all my work over at milehighsports.com. I also always post my stuff all over Twitter at TJ McBride MBA. Also, I've been actually sharing a lot of behind the scenes stuff more from the media perspective on my Instagram, which is TJ underscore McBride MBA. So follow me on all the different platforms. You're going to see a ton of different Nuggets content everywhere. That is what I do and you will definitely get a lot of it. Um, you are here, though, to listen about the Nuggets and things that are going on with this team. So before we get into all this, let me give you a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about today. Um, so I didn't get a chance to talk about Jamal Murray's game due to a bunch of technical difficulties, so we're definitely going to dive in to his 48-point game when the Nuggets beat the Celtics. Um, we'll talk about a lot of the different pieces of Jamal Murray in this um, in this podcast because against the Memphis Grizzlies, which we'll also get to, um, there were some very clear issues that he had among as well obviously having his 48 point game that was just outright impressive so beyond that though we're gonna talk about Nikola Jokic and his fine for using offensive and derogatory comments when he said no homo before talking about Wendell Carter's length Um, I'll talk about why he was fined why it is important that he was fined and also why this isn't there's not too much to read into this because from everything that I have seen Jokic is just not a hateful or malicious person so I do not see this coming from a negative spot in his head Um, we'll also get into the Nuggets loss to the Memphis Grizzlies Um, they lost 89 to 87 just about 24 hours before I started recording this podcast Um, we'll talk about why Nikola Jokic has been struggling what went into that game what was so weird about it And we'll finish up with why Jokic is so unique and why it's hard to evaluate what he does and to quantify what he does. Before we get into all of that, though, let me give you a quick word from our sponsors. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, I just wanted to remind everybody that we are presented by Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all of the brands that you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves at having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come into one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. 
All right, let's dive in specifically to the Nuggets 115-107 win over the Celtics. There's not a whole lot that I want to get into this game besides the fact that Jamal Murray was just an unconscious shooter in this game. He turned into an absolute flamethrower and he could not be stopped. So he finished for 48 points, was 19 of 30 from the field, including 5 of 11 from three-point distance. What was most impressive about his game is that he wasn't just lighting it up from deep. He was able to get to the rim and have multiple tough finishes through contact, get to the free throw line, hit some mid-range jumpers, show off a little bit of a counter post move on the move, um, and also was hitting his threes as you would expect from him. It was really pretty incredible just to watch Jamal Murray completely control the game from start to finish and also go head-to-head with someone he really respects in Kyrie Irving, who clearly was very frustrated with Jamal after the game. But in terms of just Jamal's ability to score, his ability to get to the rim, his ability to get his shot, he showed off his entire repertoire in this game, and he showed everybody while his ceiling is so high. There were still some things he struggled with in terms of still being um, not quite a full-fledged point guard yet in the way that he plays on this team, but overall, I mean, this was a staggeringly impressive performance. I was thoroughly blown away, and that was probably one of the top five Nuggets games that I've seen in person at the Pepsi center in my four-ish years covering this team i mean it just didn't matter it didn't matter if they were sending doubles at him it didn't matter if they were hedging it didn't matter if they were dropping it didn't matter if they were switching jamal murray was killing anyone and everyone that was in front of him and it was a completely dominating game from him on the offensive end of the ball there was just nothing that the celtics could do because there was nothing the Celtics could do. There was a little bit of temper in this game from a lot of the Celtics players, especially towards Jamal Murray, and everything hit ahead when Jamal Murray decided to pull up from three with about a second left on the clock to actually try and get to that 50-point threshold as the buzzer went off. The game had stopped. The Celtics were not trying to foul. Everybody kind of stopped moving, waiting for the clock to finish, and Jamal pulled up, and that's something that in the unwritten rules of the NBA just isn't technically okay. Okay. What I'll say, though, is that you just don't let a dude get to 48 points so that you don't even put him in a position to where he would take that shot. Jamal Murray said over and over again after the game that he was just going for 50, and I believe him, but he is running up the score, which is an unwritten rule in the NBA. So I think that's an important part of this to talk about because, I mean, he just didn't care. He just did what he felt he wanted to do. Michael Malone was even on the sidelines trying to tell him to stop and not shoot the ball. Jamal looked directly at Michael Malone and then pulled up in anyway and hit the shot it was or didn't did not hit the shot so it was pretty funny I mean Matt Moore of the Action Network made a great point on Twitter where every single one of us that are Nuggets media who have been around Jamal we all knew he was putting that shot up Jamal Murray does not care and he even said that after the game that when he gets in those zones he just loses his consciousness and says that he just didn't care anymore and was just going and that's exactly what it looked like and I think it's important that the Nuggets have a guy who can be somewhat of an asshole like this because Gary Harris is a nice quiet dude Paul Millsap is a nice quiet dude I mean Will Barton while be a, a little bit more flamboyant is a nice guy um, Nikola Jokic is not someone you're going to expect to be talking a lot of crap and giving a little bit of an edge to this team the Nuggets need a someone who's a little bit more willing to ruffle feathers and things like that and it's looking like Jamal Murray is willing to be that guy he did it against the Lakers when he dribbled in a circle around Lonzo Ball and he has now completely infuriated the entire Celtics roster after pulling up for three as the buzzer expired in that in this uh in the loss that they had against the Nuggets so while yes it is an unwritten rule and yes he probably shouldn't have taken that shot 
I kind of just love that he did because it takes a certain personality to be willing to pull up like that. And Jamal clearly showed that he is that guy. All right, now let's jump ahead a couple days because the morning before Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets tipped off against the Memphis Grizzlies, there was a fine that came down and was announced by Sham Sharani of of, um, The Athletic. It's weird to say that still. Not Yahoo Sports, The Athletic. Um, And it was really interesting because... I I was in Chicago when he made the statement. I was in the scrum, and it was so quiet and so mumbled, I didn't even realize that he said it. And the the fine comes down, $25,000 for saying derogatory and offensive comments in the media scrum after the Chicago Bulls game. And I was kind of taken aback. I had to go back to the audio that I had recorded just to confirm that this happened because Nikola Jokic did say it. He said, no homo, Wendell Carter's length is more than you would think it would be or something along those lines um there was a lot of um i I don't want to say uproar but i would say that this is a very polarizing conversation within the nuggets um fans and there's the twitter verse that revolves around the denver nuggets because in my opinion this is a completely justified fine i mean Nikola Jokic was not malicious in saying this. He was not trying to prove some homophobic tendencies that he may have. He was just seemingly trying to make a joke that he didn't quite realize was offensive. Um, He's still learning the English language. That's an important part of this conversation. It's not like he completely understands the way that everything works within the English language and what is or is not offensive. But this was offensive. And the Nuggets and the NBA as a whole, they've set a precedent for this where they have fine players in the past regardless of star caliber or not for using homophobic slurs and things that could be derogatory towards any kind of race ethnicity sexual orientation or anything that makes people different so even when you go back to Kobe being fined for this, Kobe got fined once for using a homophobic slur of some kind. Um, Rajon Rondo, same thing. I mean, the NBA even went to, as far as not allowing the Charlotte, uh, not allowing Charlotte to be able to host the All Star Game because their state passed a law that disallowed people that were transgender or in the LGBTQ community from using the bathroom that from using different bathrooms and the NBA was not okay with it and then disallowed the all-star game from being there and changed it on the fly because of it. So it's important to recognize that there is a lot of precedent set for this and the NBA will not allow any divisive comments whatsoever. They pride themselves in their inclusivity. They pride themselves in being accepting of all different kinds of people. And Nikola Jokic's comments went directly against all of those ideals. So it makes complete sense that he was fined. Again, Nikola Jokic is not a hateful person from everything that I've gathered. Nikola Jokic is not homophobic from everything I've gathered. But this is something that he needed to learn. This is something that needed to be addressed. And hopefully this is just a learning process for Nikola Jokic. Because learning that there are certain things that are offensive that may not be offensive to you individually, but are offensive to the other people listening or watching or seeing you play or follow your career, it's an important part of his job, especially as a star caliber franchise player on the Denver Nuggets that has to be taken into account so I think that it's something that may have bothered him it seemed like he was kind of in his head against the Memphis Grizzlies I was not in Memphis I don't know if that is what was bothering him but it did seem to get to him but I again good on the NBA for taking a stand against anything that is divisive in any way whether it was intentional or not and that is just the reality of how things are going to go and the NBA should be celebrated for that and they have been largely celebrated for 
for that in a lot of different ways. I was very surprised to see the pushback from people saying that it was just a joke, it's not a big deal, because it may not be a big deal to you, but it is absolutely a big deal to a lot of other people in this in this country, in this world, in just the NBA community as a whole. So good on the NBA, good on the Nuggets for allowing this to happen. It's something that needed to happen, and hopefully Nikola Jokic can learn from it and move on. So later that night was when the Nuggets took on the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis, and it was exactly the kind of Memphis Grizzlies type game that you would expect. A grinded out defensive game at a very slow pace with a very low point point total for both teams where you just really had to gut out a win if you were going to win. So the Nuggets ended up losing 89-87. to Their offense was just not functioning. Nobody was hitting shots, open or not. Nikola Jokic was not in a rhythm. He was also in foul trouble. Overall, it was probably the worst offensive game of basketball I have seen this Nuggets core play in in my past three, four years of covering this team. So it is something that was notable because this Nuggets offense continues to struggle and struggle and struggle. Um, the big storyline for a lot of people was that Nikola Jokic did not take a jump shot until the very final shot of the game, trying to win it when they were down by two points with the ball. So... You're, normally, your star player cannot take zero shots, and that is a completely justifiable thing to say. It's a sound argument to make. The one thing that I would say, though, is that there's a lot of other reasons why Jokic did not take any shots in this game. It wasn't because he was just trying to be as passive as possible. It just wasn't mathematically the correct play in his head, and I'll get more into what I mean by that when I talk about Jokic, as a, um, just as why he thinks in this way and why he doesn't take shots sometimes but it, it, it was really interesting and I think what needs to be talked about instead of Jokic is what was going wrong around Jokic because that is where the problem stems from in my opinion it doesn't start with Nikola Jokic it happens to end with Nikola Jokic as a symptom of this problem which Adam Mares perfectly said on his podcast his Adam Mares on the Locked On Nuggets podcast said that Jokic is not getting sh- uh, Jokic not getting shots is a symptom of a bigger issue he is not the issue and I think that hit the nail on the head so the first thing that is absolutely making things more difficult for this Nuggets offense is something that I've talked about before on this podcast it's the fact that Torrey Craig is in the starting lineup and whoever is defending Torrey Craig is completely ignoring him and it's making it unbelievably difficult for the Nuggets to be able to get any kind of offensive rhythm because essentially they're playing four on five basketball because Torrey Craig has not been able to hit open looks and he's not being defended by his guy so whoever is defending Torrey Craig is basically just putting one foot in the paint one foot out of the paint to avoid it three-second violation and jumping back and forth and just basically causing chaos off the ball as an off-ball defender in that way. He's almost playing like a rover position because there's no need to cover Torrey Craig. And that gets compounded when Paul Millsap is also sharing the floor with him because Millsap, while he is a three-point shooter that you kind of have to defend a little bit, you can sag off him quite a bit because his mechanics are just slower. So it's easier to close out on him. So when you have both Torrey Craig and Paul Millsap on the floor, it allows the defense to congest the paint, which makes it difficult for off-ball cuts. It makes it difficult to get guys going to the rim without getting their shot blocked. And it makes it difficult for Nikola Jokic just to get post-ups and 
get good opportunities against mismatches because there's always help coming. So when that happens, it completely throws the Nuggets offense out of whack. It does not allow them to have the fluidity and the comfortability that they're used to having, and it really suffocates their offense. It sucks all of the oxygen out of it, and it starts to put it to a standstill, which is why the Nuggets scored only 87 points. Um, I'm at the point now where one of Juancho Hernan Gomez or Malik Beasley needs to be in the starting lineup. Michael Malone does not seem to agree with me, and that's fine. He's a much smarter individual than I am. He's been around the game as long as anybody, but if it was me, I would be starting Juancho or Malik. Um, Juancho Hernan Gomez may be a little bit of an extreme overcorrection because he just isn't quite the defender that Torrey Craig is, and the Nuggets have gotten to a 9-2 record with their defense. So, Wancho, while absolutely the best offensive player to fit with Nikola Jokic, he may not be the best overall player for the team at that point. So then you look at Malik Beasley, which is kind of splitting the difference between Wancho Hernagomez and Torrey Craig. He brings some shooting, but at the same time, he has a ton of defense and ton of athletic ability. I've gone back and forth with who I would want to have fill in the starting lineup instead of Torrey Craig, and the majority of the time I have felt that Wancho would be the best player to kind of fill in for him, but I'm starting to think that maybe Malik Beasley would be even better, because... While Malik can stretch the floor, as long as he gets a couple shots to fall, they will have to defend him. Adding his athleticism alongside Nikola Jokic gives him another weapon in transition, gives him another off-ball cutting threat who can play above the rim, and there's just so many ways that Nikola Jokic is great at utilizing high-level athletes around him. That's not to say Wancho isn't athletic, but at the same time, Malik Beasley is a freak athlete in terms of vertical jumping and explosion. So I do think that there may be a little bit more of an edge to play Malik because you get a little bit more defense, you get the athletic ability, even at the expense of a little bit of shooting. He'll still bring more spacing than you're going to get with Torrey Craig, but you get a lot of other random little skill sets that may be able to allow this Nuggets offense to begin to prosper. At this point, though, as long as it's Wancho or Malik getting the start, it's better than Torrey Craig at this point, and I, I am as big of a Torrey Craig fan as you'll find. I really like his game, but it does not fit with this Nuggets offense the way it is built. It just flat out does not, and it's making things difficult for Nicole. Jokic and the rest of the offense to get a rhythm going. Um, there is one other option that I highly doubt Michael Malone would actually use, but I would also think about starting Monte Morris at point guard, putting Jamal Murray to the shooting guard position, and putting Gary Harris at the small forward position, just playing small and seeing what you can get out of having another ball handler alongside Jamal Murray. Because if there's one other issue this Nuggets team has, it's the fact that Jamal Murray struggles getting the ball into the correct spots. He is not a point guard at this point yet and he struggles getting the ball back to Jokic on the switch he struggles breaking down a big defender when he gets the switch himself and he struggles swinging the ball in the way that they need to he really does tend to slow down and clog up this offense every once in a while and it's made things difficult for everybody around him so having Monte Morris on the court another ball handler a guy who can be the floor general type and allow him to play off ball might also help Jamal Murray and Gary Harris get out of their shooting slumps as well so those are a couple interesting things that the Nuggets could look to do. I have a very strong suspicion, though, that Michael Malone is going to stick with Torrey Craig until it flat out does not work, and that's going to be a really interesting thing to see. The other takeaway I had from the Memphis Grizzlies game is that this Nuggets team just needs Will Barton back. 
Will Barton provides all of the little small nuances that the Nuggets offense needs to continue to thrive. The Nuggets need more floor spacing. Absolutely, Will Barton can act as the floor spacer. You need somebody to take some pressure off of Jamal Murray and, and handle the ball more as their own player. Will Barton can break down a defense in the pick and roll or an isolation off the dribble whenever he needs to. On top of that, he knows how to play with Nikola Jokic, and he adds that level of athleticism that I was talking about with Malik Beasley to the floor to be able to allow this Nuggets offense to have another above-the-rim um, weapon on the on the court with Nikola Jokic. So, man, w- once Will Barton gets back, that is going to change things for Nikola Jokic and for the rest of the Nuggets offense. He was solid on defense when the season started. He wasn't great, but he was passable. And if he can continue being that guy while also being the offensive weapon that he is, it'll be huge for the Nuggets. Also, when they have games like they did against the Memphis Grizzlies, having somebody who can just single-handedly take over a game at any point like Will Barton can is so helpful, and it changes the way that you have to defend this Nuggets team. So this Nuggets team needs Will Barton back in a bad way, and hopefully that happens in the very near future. Alright, it is time to get to the most polarizing topic of this podcast, and that is the way that Nikola Jokic is currently playing. Trust me, I get it. I understand the frustration with so many fans as to what is going on with Nikola and how they can't quite figure it out. And honestly, I can't quite figure it out either. So let's just paint this picture first. In Nikola Jokic's last four games, he is averaging 5.8 points a game, 8.3 rebounds, and 7.8 assists against 3.8 turnovers. He's only shooting the ball four and a half times a game. He hasn't hit a three, but he is still playing very strong defense. So... Why is Nikola taking less shots? That's really what people keep asking. That's really the big topic of conversation. Everyone is making the argument that he's a max level player, so he should be a 20 point per game scorer. I am here to debunk that because, again, I talked about it earlier. Adam Mades of the Locked On Nuggets podcast, which you should go listen to his last show because he outlined this in a very, very good, strong, articulate way. And he, I think he was right. Nikola Jokic not getting shots is a symptom of a bigger issue. It is not that he is the issue. Nikola Jokic is different. He plays offensive basketball almost in a mathematical sense. He is not looking for his own shot or a particular shot. He is looking for the shot that has the most likelihood of giving the Nuggets the best output on that offensive possession. So when I went back and watched the Memphis Grizzlies game over again, which was brutal to watch. Don't ever go back and rewatch that game. It's not worth your time, but... Every almost every single time Nikola Jokic passed up a shot, it did lead to a better shot than he would have currently had for himself. And he was more of a victim of his team failing to be able to make shots, much more so than it was that Nikola Jokic was playing very badly. He was not at his best. That is not what I'm here arguing. But if his shots fall or if his if the shots fall that he was passing people into, he could have had a 12-13 assist night once again and as long as he is being the fulcrum of their offense it doesn't worry me that he's not taking shots Michael Malone said that Jokic's greatness lies in the fact that he does not need to score to be fantastic and to be impactful on this game and 
that's really how I see it too. Jokic is an incredibly unique, one-of-a-kind type of a star player. There are very few star players that are as egalitarian as he is, as altruistic as he is, any kind of those terms that are selfless or team-oriented. That is just what makes up him as an individual player. So when you start to try and force him into a box and being like, we need you to score 20 points a night or take 15 shots a night, that does not do him favors because what makes Jokic great is that he goes out there and he makes the right decision regardless of if if it's about him scoring regardless of if it's for someone else scoring or whatever it may be so we have to look at things in a different scope when it comes to Nikola Jokic I mean if he's going to get the Nuggets better look from the three-point line by passing out of double teams and not forcing shots, that is better for the Nuggets. And him playing in this way makes everybody else around him better as well. So it's really a chicken and the egg thing. Is it is Jokic is Jokic going to be the star player that doesn't score a lot of points because he doesn't want to, or is he do it because the team needs him to be more of this playmaker and facilitator that makes the Nuggets so difficult to guard? I am much more in tune with the latter. I think Nikola Jokic is the kind of guy that just is a walking top 10 offense when shots start to get hit, and I think that we're going to see that play itself out here in the very near future, but as of right now, shots just aren't falling, and it's making Nikola Jokic look much less impactful than he actually is. And the last thing I really wanted to hit about Nikola Jokic is the fact that people are hammering the fact that he is not giving effort, which is just flat out untrue if you ask me. The amount of effort on defense that he has given has been absolutely spectacular. He could be better. There's always the ability to be better. But the jump that Nikola Jokic has taken from last year until this year is absolutely astounding to me. And people need to be much less quick on the trigger to blow up about a quote-unquote lack of effort just because the offense isn't functioning. Because he is giving the effort and he is doing his best to accept this role of being the star player on the team. It hasn't culminated yet to a perfect scenario, but I do think the Nuggets are on the path to be there. I mean, this team is four points away from being 11-0 on the season. They're 9-2. and People are losing their minds a bit, and I think we need to take a step back and just be like, you know what? The Nuggets are have fixed or are looking like they have fixed their biggest issue last year, which was their defense, and there is no reason to expect to not expect this Nuggets offense to catch a rhythm and go on a ridiculous tear because there is just too much offensive potential and too much talent on this roster for that not to be a thing. So again, this team is 9-2. and two. Let's all take deep breaths and just try to understand that this is a very small sample right now and that getting freaked out over one road loss in Memphis where it's incredibly difficult to play when this team has played so many games since in the past week or so it's okay these games are going to happen and the Nuggets have taken care of bad teams good teams and teams that are middling as well so it's not like they're struggling against bad teams like they were last year so I do think that people need to Step off the gas a little bit and kind of wait and see where this team is at because I think people are much more worried than they should be at this point. And I think that Nikola Jokic is going to come out against Brooklyn and just put a hammer on Jared Allen. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of um, intensity and, and aggression that he plays with and see where he goes from this because people are ripping him for not shooting right now and I'm curious how he responds. 
that is everything for tonight. Um, you can actually listen to this podcast on the Nothing But Net Radio, which is through Dash Radio. You can follow them on Twitter as well. So you'll be hearing this stream there as well. It'll be up on the Mile High Sports site very soon. Make sure to go subscribe, comment, rate, review, all of that fun stuff on iTunes. And if you have any feedback, shoot it my way. You can go to my Twitter, at TJMcBrideMBA. You can hop in my email, which is also in my bio of my Twitter. You can reach out on Instagram, whatever. I'm always around, so reach out if you have any questions. And if you want to sponsor the show, go ahead and email me as well. But that is all we have tonight. I will have a post-game um, podcast up after the Brooklyn game, as long as my technology continues to function, which it is so far right now. And we'll go from there. But thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Did you get your home insurance yet? Hippo? Why didn't you go with what we have? Outdated? Ridiculous. Our policy covers pewter dishware, stock certificates, furs. Most home insurance policies are painfully outdated. Hippo is different, with more coverage for the things you actually have today. And Hippo can cost up to 25% less. I hear pewter's making a comeback. Visit myhippo.com to get a quote in 60 seconds. Hippo is a licensed property casualty insurance agent with products underwritten by various insurance companies. Covered subject to underwriting qualifications. Savings vary. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.